The Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return, brought to you by Narconon Suncoast. Hello, Jason. Hello, Joni. Here we are again, week number... Oh my gosh, I think I've forgotten. Is it 57? I think so. I think so. I think it's I think it's episode 57. I have all three of my grandkids here, and my uh, son and his wife have been gone most of the time handling something. And so I have literally been babysitting two 10-month-old twins and a five-year-old. And I got to tell you, this is why you have kids in your 30s and not in your 60s. <laughs> That's all I'm going to say. So how was your Mother's Day? It was great. Yeah? It was great. I posted a really funny picture on, on Instagram because my husband decided to take a picture of all of us around the table. And of course, both of my sons had to make faces. Uh, my, I saw that. My, yeah, my older son has the bagel in his mouth and the other one's making some kind of a weird face. They're just... That's so funny. Those are my boys. That's, yeah. That's what I have is two boys. It's strangely enough what I always wanted and there you go there they are yeah I went to visit my parents um oh that's down right Bo- down, yeah down in Boca and uh it was nice we had you know she had both her kids there and she was very very pleased with the whole thing and you know it was very very nice and you know it's one of those things that you take for granted when you're a drug user because when you're a drug user you're not present for Mother's Days and Father's Days and birthdays and the holidays and stuff like that. And so having gone through that myself and obviously coming out the other side of it, you know, you really realize how your priorities are so skewed when you're going through addiction because instead of surviving, you know, through your family or through, you know, me as an individual or anything like that, it's like, I learned to survive solely through the use of drugs as my one tool to get through life on a minute to minute, hour to hour basis. And I really wasn't present for those things. You know, my body was there, but I wasn't there. And um, Hmm. it made me feel really good to, you know, once again, another year gone by and I'm able to be there present with my family, with my parents, with my sister and, and her kids and all that stuff. And it, and it makes me feel, feel really good, but it also makes me feel really badly for all the people that are going through addiction. It's because, and it's because you see life through blinders. You don't see everything around you. You don't see the collateral damage you're causing and the fact that everybody knows something's wrong, um, whether or not they know specifically what it is or not. It's a different story. And, you know, it makes me feel bad, not only for the drug users, but for their families of having to uh, endure something like that. And it's, you know, in my estimation, every family's worst nightmare is that someone in the family unit becomes addicted because at that point, everything changes and all bets are off. Right. And I feel for the moms, the moms who yesterday didn't have all of their children there either because the child was an addict and just didn't come home or because they lost someone to addiction. So. Right. Exactly. So it could be bittersweet. Yeah. You know, yeah. But, but I'm glad you were there with your mom because your mom's a special lady. So that's very, very cool. Oh yeah, she is. Uh, she, uh, she had a very good time. It's, uh, it's nice for her to, um, to have everybody around because for a while, only part of the family was there. Now the whole family is there. And so it's really, really nice to be able to do that for her. That's awesome. That's awesome. 
Anyways, what do we have on on tap today? Well, I did an interview. Um, I did it with uh, a young woman who reached out. You know, I said one time on the podcast, I said, if you've got a story, you know, reach out and let us know and, you know, we'll talk about it. And so she reached out via email and she definitely has her own history with addiction, as you will hear in the interview. Um, but she's one of those people who is now trying to help others. And so she started a Facebook group that has, I think, over 1500 members. And I think that they are people who either have gone through or are going through um, a situation similar to what she is experienced, she has experienced. And um, I think it's something valuable for people. And so we talk, we, and we'll mention the group itself. So um, her name is Nicole Donofrio, and um, let's listen to her. Okay, let's do it. So Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast today. I think that with your story, you bring kind of a different perspective than some of the other stories that we've had on the podcast. So um, I'd like to start off by saying, you know, tell me the background. I mean, you know, how did drugs initially affect you, drugs or alcohol? Um, initially, it affected me um, because my father was an alcoholic, or, well, he is an alcoholic still currently. Um, so that's really where it started. So from birth, I have been around addiction. Okay. And he, I, in some, in, we spoke before and in some of what you wrote to me, um, he didn't stick around when you were young, did he? No, when I was four, um, he, uh, I don't want to say abandoned us. He was given the option, you know, it was a family in here and a party out there, and he chose the party. Um, And, you know, he wanted to relinquish his rights from me. You know, he told my mother that he would just forget he had a daughter. Um, Of course, that was not going to fly with my mom. Um, But from the time I was four to the time I was 18 we did not have any contact. Right. Did you have siblings? Um, I have two older brothers, but they have a a different dad, so they're half-brothers. Okay. Were they around when your dad was there, or...? Yes. One of my brothers is six years older than me, and the other one is eight years older than me. So they actually remember more of that part of my life than I do. Right, because that would make them like 10 and 12 when your dad left, right? Right. Some, something like that. Okay. And But they weren't his kids, so really he was technically only abandoning you at the time. Yes. Okay. And then did you see, you didn't see him at all from age four to age 18? Yes, I actually um, did not see him face-to-face until about a year and a half ago. Oh, okay. And what happened then? Uh, um, Well, 
backtrack a little bit. When I was 18, I made contact with him and he told me that I was a part of his past and he wanted me to stay there. Um, you know, respecting his wishes, I did that. Um, when we were, you know, face to face with each other, he, um, you know, tried to tell me he was a different person, that um, he's he'd changed. Um, of course, my reaction was, we'll see. I didn't want to get my hopes up, but I also didn't want um, didn't want him to think that I was going to just fall back into wanting a daddy again. Right. So, um, you know, I told him how to contact me. I said, you know, I'm on Facebook. You can find me on there. Um, And I have gotten married and and divorced, but I still have my married name. So I said, you know, if he really wanted to contact me, he'll find me. Um, And he did. And we had, you know, back and forth conversations. um, And then they abruptly stopped. And this was about, let's see, this was back in December of this year. And, you know, I kind of threw around the, I kind of joked about, oh, he's probably in jail. But after a few weeks of, you know, wondering, I finally, um, in the county I'm in, you can actually look up people that are in jail and why they are there. Um, And just out of curiosity, just to, you know, put my mind at ease or, you know, let me know that, you know, that was actually true. I looked him up and he had been arrested for his third DUI um, in a six month period. And he is still currently in jail. I got it. So, so I, I had to realize that although he told me he wasn't the person he used to be, you know, I was hoping that that was true, but he showed me that um, that wasn't true. Right. Nicole, has he ever done any type of rehab that you're aware of? Um, He has um, on multiple occasions. Um, My mother told me that every time that he got arrested, that he would go admit himself to rehab to make himself look better when he went to court. I see. But that was the only reason he did it. I see. If you if you don't mind my asking, when you were in touch with him before he was um, arrested and put back in jail, what what were your conversations about? Was there any remorse on his part or interest on his part about you and your, you have a son, right? I have a daughter. You have a daughter. Sorry. Was there interest in you and your daughter from him or what, what, what was that contact like? What, what was it about? It was more, um, we were, we tried to make, um, plans to, you know, meet up. He wanted to talk to me. Um, you know, 
who knows what he would have said. Um, right. You know, that's something that I'll have to just imagine. But um, it was more that he never asked me about my daughter. He knew, he knows I have one. Um, he would message me every so often in the morning, say, good morning. I hope you have a good day. Um, but our, our schedules never matched up to where that contact was never made. And I kind of believe at this point that that contact wasn't meant to happen. Right. So did he ever, uh, did he ask you for money? Was that one of the things he wanted? Um, he never insinuated that he wanted money. There there may have been a hint in there um, when he talked about, you know, working odd jobs. And, um, but, you know, I never, I never thought about giving him money. So it wasn't really something that I even thought about at the time. I got it. Do you have any idea? I mean, you were only four years old, so I, I don't know how much you remember what your mother said. Do you have any idea what got him started on alcohol in the first place? Um, from what I was, I've been told, he was, he was always like that. It was, it was hidden, and um, it was hidden very well, and then, you know, masks came off and, you know, everything kind of went haywire. Um, so, you know, as far as I've known, he's been into alcohol since he was in high school. I see. Okay. And so, unfortunately, then you had a, a, your own relationship a different kind of relationship with someone who had an addiction problem. Talk about that a little bit. Yes. And this is, this relationship that I had is what made me understand my dad more. It made me not resent him as much for leaving because I understood what he was going through. Um, Mm -hmm. So, um, I got into a relationship with someone that I'd known since high school. You know, times never kind of matched up for us to ever date. Um, but when it did, you know, we we dated. Um, so, you know, he liked to party, which, you know, was fine periodically, I guess, for someone that can control themselves at 25. But um, he, I learned that he used his PTSD from being in the Marines as a crutch, as an excuse. Oh, I, you know, that was his, that was what he was trying to forget. Mm. Um. had um sympathy i was like oh you know who knows what what happened while he was there um Mm -hmm. but i became the codependent girlfriend um he 
got a DUI while we were together. Um, so I would drive him to the bars. I excused it away that um, his age was what, you know, it was something that's common here where I live because we don't have a lot to do here, but we have a lot of bars, mm-hmm. um, mm. which is not good. But, you know, I excused it away. Um, the subject was always dropped. Um, but when I did address the issue, um, it became an argument every time. And that's just, that's how addicts are. They don't, you're wrong, you know. Um, and it would always just, I'd just let it go. Um, right. So I was, I would stay up all hours of the night. I knew when he was going out and I knew that I was going to get, uh, one of three calls, um, to come pick him up that he had been arrested or that he had killed somebody driving drunk or had killed himself. So I would worry and I'd stay up all night and um, a couple of nights, I did go pick him up. Uh, of course, when I got there, he did not remember calling me. So it was a mm. very belligerent situation. Um, the last time I just <clears throat> the last time I said I would pick him up, and I did. We sat at the Veterans Memorial here in town, and he told me that he was talking to his friends. I said, okay. So I, I got his keys, and I said, all right, you're not driving. Well, he got really mad that I wouldn't give him his keys back, and he decided that he was going to put me in a chokehold. And, you know, that should have been my first indication that this was not something that I needed to be in, but I excused it away from the alcohol. Oh, he's just drunk. Um, right. So as time went on, it became a very verbally, mentally, and physically abusive relationship. Uh, you know, mm-hmm. of course, I was choked out. Um, I'd been kicked, hit, um, slung across the room. Um, you know, it just got really bad. And the manipulation with an addict is just, it's way more than what anybody can imagine. Um, right. So, you know, he made me feel like I was two inches tall. And I I got to the point where, you know, I, I'd failed him, you know, I'd failed my daughter. Uh, I failed my, my family, my friends. I, you know, my life revolved around trying to make sure that he was doing right. And, and, you know, he, he never was. Um, right. Is, is your daughter his? No. Okay. No. I, but you had her when you were with him. I'm sorry. What? I mean, you, I mean, she was with, she was with you when you were with him. 
Yeah, she she was, yeah. you know, alive when I was with him, but um, she was not, I did not um, bring her around, which um, okay. I did that to protect her um, when I also should have been protecting myself. Right, right. So she, he didn't live with you and your daughter? No, we lived in okay. separate houses. So when my ex-husband had her was when, you know, me and him would hang out and stuff. I I get it. Okay. So, you know, I ended up feeling just numb. You know, I I couldn't, I didn't feel, I just kind of floated through my days. I was exhausted. Um, I could feel myself drowning as I was trying to save him, um, you know, and I felt like I'd failed everybody, even myself. Um, and that resulted in, um, a suicide attempt that I'm so very grateful that was not successful. Um, and right. I had, I made that decision that I had to let it go. I had to, you know, I had to separate myself from the relationship so that my life and my future could be my priority. Right. But in that relationship, you know, not all the bad stuff, you know, it was a bad relationship, but I learned a lot about an addict. Um, right. You know, there's a struggle between their self-control and the pool of addiction. Right. The pool between um, the physical needs and the impulses conflict with, you know, what they know is right and wrong. Absolutely. Um, you know, at first they addicts are trying to suppress something you know we never know what it is you know could just be you know their family or something like ptsd but you know they get that pleasure and then eventually it becomes them they are right the addiction Right. Well, the drugs or the alcohol basically become the solution for whatever problem it is that they're trying to handle. Right. Which we've talked about, you know, many times on the podcast. Yeah. Now, now you you did something that I think is very beneficial for people. Um, you know, we've had other people on the podcast who have different types of support groups. And you've done something a little bit different in terms of a support group that you have set up. Tell us about what you're doing on Facebook and some of the reactions that you're getting. Um, So after, you know, the whole thing with my dad and the whole thing with the relationship and everything I had learned, um, I said, you know, there's got to be something I can do. Um, not only to help the, you know, loved ones and the children, um, but to also help the addicts. Um, so I made a Facebook group, and it's called The Tangled Heart, 
And then after it, it has addiction in parentheses. And I will post on there periodically just different articles. I've actually written personal things in there. Um, we've had some here recently, we've had some really good debating and it wasn't, um, getting ugly or getting rude. It was, it was actually about Suboxone and I Mm. am not a fan of Suboxone. I think it's a replacement and, um, you know, but there are some people on there that are for Suboxone. So we would be, they swear by it. Right. Um, yeah. So we would say, okay, I understand that, but, you know, what about this? And it was never, you know, I made a rule for that group that nobody is to tear anybody down. You know, if you start to get ugly, you will get taken off. Um, Oh, there you go. So I've had um, addicts actually post their stories you know, how they got into it, um, you know, how far it went and how they came out of it. Um, right. I've had a child of an addict like myself post their story on there. Um, and I knew that I needed to help in some way right. because addiction is so misunderstood. Um, it is so much more than looking at somebody and just saying, why don't you just stop? Right. It's not exactly. It's just not as simple as stopping. Um, and I explained that in one of my posts that, you know, there's more to it than doing it. Um, Sorry. And so, you know, we'll have the debates about the Suboxone and about whether or not we think addiction is a disease. We had one on that. Um, You know, and my whole goal in that group is if one person can get something out of it and know, you know, that they're not alone. I've done exactly. I've done my part. Um, well, tell me how many followers you have. You have a lot of followers. Yes. I have about, I think it's 4,000 maybe. Well, well, see then, I guarantee that you you have helped at least one person, if not more, because I think, you know, you're doing similar to what we're doing on the podcast, except that you possibly have a little bit more interaction because people can't, we don't have the kind of podcast where people can call in and talk to us. But, you know, so often people who have loved ones or friends who are addicts, they don't know where to go and they don't know what to do. And so you're offering, you know, a forum for them to at least be able to tell, to tell their story and get some, um, some understanding back if right. you will, because you have, you have understanding. Say the name of the group again on Facebook. It is called the Tangled Heart and then it has parentheses addiction. 
Um, okay. And, uh, and is, it a, is it a closed group? Do people have to apply? It is a closed group. So I have to approve everybody that comes in. Um, with a group, there there's 2,000 members, sorry. With a group this big, we get um, spammers. So right. I will make sure that somebody has added that person. You know, it has to be right. or... You know, I have to get on there and look through it and be like, okay, this is a real person. They're not just going to come in here and post ads or, you know, whatnot. But um, right, it's a closed group because um, I don't want to say secrecy, but these people are telling these emotionally, you know, just they're laying it all out there and I don't think that it's my place to lay it out there for the world, you know? Right. Um, no, it makes total sense. And, and, and in, in many ways that's probably even, you know, better for them because they know that they're only really communicating their story to people who have a similar, you know, have similar issues and similar story. Well, I really appreciate you coming on the podcast and telling your story. I have invited our listeners to do that, to reach out to me if they have a story. And I appreciate what you're doing. I appreciate your story. I'm glad that you're seeing the other side. You know, one of the things that we've talked about many times is that the addict is not really the victim in this scenario. It's the people connected to the addict and especially the children. So I'm really glad that you have come out the other side and you are now reaching out and helping people. I think that that's huge. Yes, and that is, that's been my goal, you know, from being, you know, on the outside looking in at a close proximity um you know i have i just feel like i have more understanding that a lot of people are looking for so and i i actually noticed that you know i don't get a lot of comments or likes on the posts and stuff like this but i've had a lot of people message me and that's totally fine if you don't want to comment or you don't want to like anything you can message me I promise right. I will answer. Um, I've had some people ask me if they can friend request me. That's fine, too. Um, but, you know, don't think you have to be quiet. You know, if you just want someone to talk to, I am there for you. Um, just, you know, whatever kind of support anybody needs, they will get from the members of the group if they want to post or they can message me and we can talk. Um, so I think that's, I think that's awesome. I'm, you know, I, I just think what you're doing is, is very, very valuable and I appreciate you being there and doing what you're doing. Nicole, thank you so much for being on the podcast today and chatting with us. No problem. And I will, And when it's all done, because Jason couldn't be here today, so it's just me interviewing you, but I'm going to talk with Jason later today. And once we post the podcast, I will send you the link. And if you want to, you can share it with your Facebook group, and they can all listen to you. All right. (laughs) Okay. Thank you, Nicole. You're welcome. Take take care. All right. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. 
You know, I have to tell you that since we um, recorded that interview, I got an email from Nicole and she said that her former um, boyfriend actually reached out to her and I think she said he basically apologized for, you know, what it was like when he was there, which I thought was kind of cool. She was asking me when the podcast was going to go up and and, uh, I told her and she said, yeah, she said he reached out and... So he kind of felt bad for the way things were. So that's fantastic. That's fantastic. And, you know, listening to her story, you know, for some people it could be, you know, some people might not be able to believe it. Like, Oh my God, this girl with her father and her boyfriend and all these things. And, And people have to realize that's a stark reality of where we're at these days, because I always say this is that most people out there in some way, shape or form are touched by addiction as she happens to be, touched more so than some people but we all know someone who's addicted and and you know it affects a lot of our lives and so you know listening to her what she went through you know I there was a point where I just started feeling terribly for everything that she had to deal with but I feel like it made her stronger mm-hmm. in, in the end you mm-hmm. know what I mean yep and I think that's her viewpoint as well that because she confronted that and came through that and came out the other side and now you know, is doing the work she's doing on Facebook, that she is definitely a stronger individual in spite of everything she had to go through. Yeah. And I think it takes going through things like that to, uh, to change the world and to be a better person and to see what it is that you can do to try to solve this thing. Because, you know, it's really easy to take, you know, a backseat approach to everything saying, you know, oh, yeah, there's this terrible drug epidemic. And yes, yeah, you know, I know people who are touched by it and blah, blah, blah. But, you know, there's other people out there that are dealing with this. There's other people that are going to, you know, figure this out, whether it be people like you and I or people at treatment centers or things like that. And it's really like in order to solve this thing and really kind of take the bull by its horns, so to speak, is that we all have to take a front seat approach. We all have to be driving. We all have to figure out a way that each of us can make a direct impact on this epidemic on a daily basis, because if we just leave it up to somebody else, those people are going to leave it up to somebody else who's going to leave it up to somebody else. And before you know it, there's going to be like 10 of us That's right. <laughs> trying to figure this thing out. And we all really have to step up Yep. because it's not someone else's job. It's, it's my job. It's your job. It's your job who are, you know, those of you who are listening at home, it's all of our jobs to really do something about this because Change starts with us and change starts with all of us coming together to fight this thing. And we all can't go it alone. We all can't do it without the support of each other um, and moving forward with this thing. And, you know, I did the very thing I knew I could do to drive the car, so to speak. And that's to work in a treatment center, handle people you know, to come in, get off drugs, change their lives, put their families back together, do this podcast and speak to, you know, thousands, if not millions of people um, in order to get our message across, in order to let people know, hey, this is what's going on, but this is what we have to do about it. And I think the world needs more people like that um, to really step it up and, and, and to really like go into this thing head on and full force. I think you're right, because it's not somebody else's problem. It's our problem. 
Right. I, I, I know it's so easy to say, well, my kid's not addicted. Mm-hmm. Um, I know my neighbor's kid's addicted. Uh, my kid's not addicted, so it's fine. So I don't really have to worry about it. It's like, no, you do have to worry about it because there's going to be one day where you're going to be in a shopping mall and someone's going to drop from an opiate overdose or one of your best friends is going to call you and say, hey, you know, I know I never told you this before, but my kid was an addict and, and he just overdosed last night or she just overdosed last night. Or you're going to get hit by a drunk driver or someone that's impaired. It's going to affect you. That's right. At some point, it's going to. Because it's it's inconceivable for it not to because of how widespread the problem is. So you can't ever just think, it's not going to be me. It's not happening to me. It's not in my family. Because I call those things yet. Yep. It might not be affecting you yet. It might not be affecting one of your family members yet. But if you take... A um, a head fat uh, what's is a head fast is that the word I'm looking for steadfast steadfast approach and a headstrong approach to really making a difference out there. You don't have to sit and be like the effect of all this. We can actually do something proactive on a daily basis. Whether it's uh, going to the pharmacy and getting Narcan and carrying it with you, whether it's getting trained on Narcan or signs of an opiate overdose and teaching other people about it. It could be something as little as that. And that's not a really little thing. That's a very big deal. Right. And so I think more people need to take the approach that we take that Nicole took um, and continues to take um, and, and fighting this thing, you know, one day I hope to be out of a job. I really do. I because know. I, feel, <laughs> I feel like at that point we'll have made some sort of difference to where drugs cease to be, um, a scourge and a problem in our society. Um, But for right now, I know that's not the case. And I know that you and I have to come back here week after week and I have to, you know, come into this facility day after day and really help people not only get off drugs, but stay off drugs permanently. Right. Right. I mean, that's the whole idea behind everything. Exactly. So that's what we'll keep doing. Yeah. And we're going to keep coming back. We're going to keep doing it. I hope more people continue to listen. I hope our audience here grows bigger than it has been, you know, up until this point that we can reach more people and give them the information and the data that they need to not only make good decisions for themselves, their friends and their family, but for society as a whole. Yep. That's what we're doing. And that's, I think we will, the audience is going to grow and we're just going to keep going. And I think I, I was told that there's a graduation this week at Narconon Suncoast. There is, and you are duly invited. I'm going to be there because um, the graduations at Narconon Suncoast are some of the most inspirational um, experiences ever. So I'm looking forward to that. So if I, if I don't talk to you before then, I will see you there. We'll see you there, Joni. Okay, take care. You too. Bye. You have been listening to the Addiction Podcast, Point of No Return. For more information, call 877-339-3324 or visit www.narcononsuncoast.org. Narconon is a non-12-step rehabilitation program based on the works of L. Ron Hubbard. 